You for sure heard it. Hell, you might have even uttered it yourself. We should start a podcast. This is So You Want to Start a Podcast, a miniseries on why and how to start your own podcast. The goal of the series is to get you asking the right questions and arming you with just enough knowledge so you get the most out of your project and hit the ground running. Though some will probably get fall at the idea of adding another podcast into the atmosphere, I for one find it quite endearing. Podcasts blend a modern digital reach with a charming ephemeral medium, resulting in a piece of work in a league of its own. And to join the legions of podcasters, all you really need is a good idea, a little bit of equipment and knowledge, and most importantly, passion. My name is Stan Hall, and I'm here to guide you through the wild west of podcasts. Before we had the, should we start a podcast question, we had the, should we start a band question. Back in the day, this question was usually followed by a creation of a quippy name. Fun fact, this is what the Beach Boys did when two brothers and two friends who couldn't surf but wanted to be a part of the surf scene rented instruments for a weekend and fumbled their way along to their favorite surf songs and started what we know of today as the Beach Boys. To this day, Brian Wilson has never surfed. But I digress. The name creation phase is where most quote-unquote bands stopped, and today it's where most podcasts stop. See, in order to be a band, you needed a little bit of technical knowledge and how to play your instrument, though instruments can be taught. But what I believe was the biggest barrier was actually deciding on a direction or a goal and then dedicating to that. Because without a direction or goal, you're going to get discouraged. Well, so tell me, do you remember our first band? Yes. The band was called The Pros of Con. And I I remember we were discussing band names and we agreed that it needed to be witty. And that's where we got The Pros of Con. I, I think... I think it's because there are pros and cons. And so if yeah, one of us was going to be the pros, right? And one of us was going to be the cons. That was like our. Yes. Best, right? yeah. Yes. That's yeah. right. We had a, we had a concept. And how old were we? Um, we were 14. Uh, besides the fact we were, we were, but mere teenagers. Uh, what did we do wrong? I think the first thing is that we never actually finished any of our songs. We, we had a tendency to not finish writing them, to start songs and then not finish the songs. <laughs> Lyrically, musically, title-wise. Even performatively when we would play live. That's true. I mean, we never knew how to end our songs, but we, we knew we wanted songs, right? That was, that was all we knew, was that we wanted to be people who wrote songs. <laughs> That is my lifelong best friend, Alex Whalen, who currently fronts a much better band today out in New York called Trokey Trokey. Make sure to check them out on Spotify. But back when we were teenagers, what the pros of Khan didn't do was figure out what kind of band we wanted to be. What genre did we want to be? Did we want to be a cover band? Did we want to play weddings, only do studio albums, et cetera, et cetera? And this is a lot what it's like to be a podcast. The word podcast is about as broad of a term as music is, frankly. Said differently, the fact that serial... And the Joe Rogan experience Joe Rogan podcast, check it out. can both be accurately described as a podcast ought to be a testament to that. So let's dive into then what is a podcast at its simplest. A podcast is an MP3 file uploaded onto a server and pushed out to aggregators that then have it available to play on their apps. That is it. That is the most distilled definition of a podcast. The good news here is there's a lot of lateral and creative freedom to make your podcast. And with its low barrier to entry production-wise, you can create a podcast about anything. 
Whereas video requires lighting and camera and microphones and editing software and motion graphics, you could actually create a podcast with just your iPhone, but you shouldn't. More on that in episode two when we talk more about the technical guts of recording. The point is here, there isn't really all that much stopping you from creating your podcast. So before we go into what direction you should take your podcast, let us ask, why do you want to do a podcast? Why that medium? And what is success going to be to you? Look, you don't just walk into a gym and become the embodiment of fitness. You have to be intentional about what level of fitness you want to achieve. If you want to bulk up, you wouldn't spend the day on the treadmill. Likewise, if you want to increase flexibility, bench pressing and curls aren't going to get you towards that goal. You shouldn't go into the fray of podcasting without a clear defined goal about what you're going to call success. And what I mean by success is what is the thing that's going to make you feel accomplished and fulfilled on doing this project? Are you doing it as a revenue source and benchmarking your podcast value on the dollars it brings in? If you are, you're going to have a tough time off the bat unless you bring profound celebrity to it. Miley Cyrus, Jenna Fisher, Neil deGrasse Tyson can all launch a podcast from the ether with tens of thousands of downloads on their very first episode. Not necessarily because they are exceptional radio hosts, but because there is brand recognition and loyalty to their name. In this way, podcasts are a lot like books. A celebrity writing a book has a much better shot at sales than an unknown. Likewise, a book or a podcast is a really tough medium for an unknown to break through into mainstream recognition. So what I'm saying here is don't compare and benchmark yourself to popular celebrity podcasts unless you happen to be a celebrity listening to this, in which case you're probably already benchmarking yourself to other celebs. Now, the other way podcasts are like books is there are a lot of them, and they are a not insignificant investment of time to consume. Consider the last book that was recommended to you. Did you read it, or did you say, I'll put it on the list? Hello, Victor. Hi, Stan. How's it going? Good. Do you remember the last book that I recommended you read? Yes. Which is? Uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Okay, cool. Have you read that book yet? No, I have not. <laughs> okay, have you picked it up or anything? Uh, no, but it's on my list. Hello, Zach. Hey, Stan. How's it going? Do you remember a month ago when we were hanging out and I told you about that Kurt Vonnegut biography that I read? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, did you ever uh, end up reading it? Uh, no, but it's on the list. Hello, Tara. Hey, Stan. Hey, do you remember the last book that I told you you should read? Um, yeah, Tao Te Ching. Did you end up ever reading it? <laughs> um, you know, it's on the list, but I'll get there one day, maybe. The sheer number of podcasts is also worth noting here. As of December of 2021, there was 2,395,995 podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Of that, only 23% were actually considered active, meaning they had released at least one episode within 90 days. All this to say is when calculating your dreams of podcast stardom, perhaps temper your expectations. This by no means is a reason to give up now, but rather readjust what you're going to call success. I tell my clients that podcasts work best when they achieve one of two things. Either they cover a niche topic that is underserved in the media landscape, or they supplement a brand. Pertaining to the former, the Picky Fingers podcast is a great example of this. It is a podcast that is targeted at bluegrass banjo players and interviews other bluegrass banjo players. Incredibly valuable to that very specific audience, not so much for the general non-banjo playing public at large. The upside is the audience for these topics tends to be more loyal, sticky, and industry sponsorships may be easier to come by. For example, Deering Banjos, a company that makes banjos that can cost up to 10 grand, advertises on the Picky Fingers podcast. 
Those sponsorship dollars go much further there than they do thrown out into a more generalized, proliferated ad strategy on the internet at large. Now to address the latter, supplementing your brand. If you have an established brand or a business that people know, like, and trust, and you're looking to add some content that's not just another blog post, a podcast very well could be a good option. Keep in mind, though, the decision to do a podcast should never be just to do it for the sake of doing it. Rather, is there an itch a podcast can scratch that isn't being addressed currently in your brand's messaging strategy? We'll go over format and structure here in a bit, but the point that I'm trying to call attention to is that the call to action or appeal of your podcast isn't necessarily just the episode itself, but rather it exists as a smaller cog in your brand or messaging at large. For example, I work on a podcast called Chapter X. Welcome to Chapter X. I'm your host, Michael Kay. The show is hosted by Michael Kay, who has recently retired from his decades-long career as a financial life planner. He asked the question, directed mostly towards older men, what are you when you are no longer your job? What is your next chapter going to be? Michael uses his podcast to interview men of all walks of life who are coming up on or have crossed the path of retirement. His episodes plug and bolster his Chapter X community, which he nurtures and grows through Zoom, social media, and newsletters. This is an excellent example, and because of his focus and niche, Michael is coming up on two years of weekly episodes. Now, I want to pause here before we move into format and structure of your show. The point that I've been driving into your ears is not necessarily meant to discourage you from creating a podcast, but really ask yourself, why do you want to do a podcast? And in this way, I'm trying to make sure you have gas in the tank and more importantly, passion to see it through. Podcasts are a hell of a lot of work and discouragement is common. Most likely, it's not going to be a revenue source, so you won't have a stream of money keeping you going. It's important off the bat to determine what's going to fill your tank and what amount of time you think you can invest in the project. Because you get to determine how frequent and how many episodes you put out. There aren't any rules. You want to do a mini-series and stop after a certain number of episodes? Great. You want to do weekly episodes? Awesome. Do you want to place just the audio journal whenever you feel like it? Whatever you want to do, define it early on so you don't run out of steam and get discouraged. Now, time to pick your show's structure and direction. Earlier, I mentioned the Joe Rogan experience versus Serial and how they both exist on a plane of podcasts. And I think it's a pretty good framing device for comparison. Consider podcasts existing on a spectrum of what we're going to call level of production. On the far left, we have the Joe Rogan experience. And on the far right, we have Serial. We'll reference the spectrum for the remainder of the series, so try to visualize it in your head and not get too distracted with Joe Rogan being defined as far left. A helpful way to conceptualize the spectrum is the direct correlation of labor hours to produce an episode goes up as you move farther right down the spectrum. Let me welcome you now to the left side of the podcast production spectrum. Here we have your simple hit record and talk show. This is a popular format with podcasts like My Favorite Murderer, Office Ladies, or probably best parodied in this It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia clip. Very exciting stuff. I think we're pretty much ready to go here with this podcast. What the hell is a podcast? I mean, when do you just tape it? What are you doing? Dennis and Dee Reynolds here. Inaugural podcast. We're talking technology today. The big T. Absolutely. Everyone's talking about technology these days because it's everywhere. Oh, it is. You can't escape it. You absolutely can. So, Dee, tell us what you feel about technology. How, how do you, what's your opinion on it?
Dead air. Could you ease up on the crackers? I'm, I'm getting bored with this. Ironically enough, today, the Always Sunny team has gone on to create a bona fide podcast that has shot up to the top of the podcasting charts. Now, this fly-on-the-wall style is probably the easiest for you to create. Either done live or virtually, these episodes tend to run about an hour or even longer and can really meander as a normal conversation would. For example, it is not uncommon for the show My Favorite Murderer to start off an episode with 40 minutes of banter about someone's cat before the murderer is addressed. While this structure may not be universally loved, it does have its place. The pros of this format are, for the creator, it's a simple ask on commitment and pre-production. Pull together your friends and talk. For the audience, it can simulate conversation or act as great background noise while completing chores or working out. Now for the cons. Length. These episodes are long. And in a world of ever-shortening attention spans, you'll be hard-pressed to differentiate yourself from the scores of other similar shows. Also worth noting here that bad audio quality may turn off listeners, which is endemic in the genre of podcasts because of its democratic nature and low barrier to entry. Though this can be overcome with an investment in equipment and room treatment, you'll need to make the call on the trade-off of investment of equipment and production versus the ease and simplicity of just pushing it out. Let's move now, shall we, to the middle of the spectrum where we have the interview style. Notable shows using this formula are WTF with Mark Marin, The Tim Ferriss Show, and Fresh Air. These tend to run between 30 and 90 minutes, and it's an excellent format to consider. The interview is a very comfortable structure to modern audience sensibilities. Creating one of these shows is kind of like doing a paint-by-numbers. Find a good guest, ask them some good questions, pop in an intro, an outro, and that should yield you a good show. People love to talk about themselves. It can also span quite the distance on the spectrum of podcast production. The reason why lies in the amount of pre-production and post-production dedicated, which will determine where it ends up on the spectrum. Now, what I mean by pre-production is our guests being vetted and researched, and are questions being written beforehand, or is the host just kind of winging it live? And on the post-production side, are ums and dead air being pulled out? Are segments being edited or re-recorded to flow better? We'll dive more into what this type of editing actually sounds like next episode. The takeaway here is, with this format, it's really up to you what level of production you want to strive for. Keep in mind, the further you move down that production spectrum, the more expensive your show is going to be, either investing your own time or hiring someone else to do the editing. Let's look at the pros of the interview style. It's a great and easy way to get guests, as the format is familiar and people are comfortable with being on it. With a little bit of pre-production and some editing, you can craft an excellent narrative that is ultimately more engaging and skinnies the episode down, which will be less of a time investment on your audience. Now for the cons. This style really requires a charismatic host that can keep a conversation going. Fact of the matter is, not everyone has the skill set to sound good on a microphone. It can also fall victim to the bad guest. A harsh reality is not every guest is going to yield a good episode, even the most seasoned of media professionals. This format also requires a lot of labor hours if you choose to achieve that high level of production and move down the spectrum. For example, Hi, I'm Dan Rubenstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. On The Grand Tourist, it is not uncommon for the host and I to invest 8 to 10 hours in an episode. Dan researches his guests ahead of time, chats with them for about 90 minutes, and from there we go back and forth whittling the episode down to a 35-minute narrative arc. Once that arc is in place, because the audio is in a different order than the questions were originally taken, Dan will retake his questions to better fit this new flow, and then we have him record fourth walls. That said, these episodes are fantastic, and the guests come out sounding inspired without the cornucopia of crutch words and ums we all use in our daily speech. This type of editing I'll demonstrate next episode, but it's akin to hotel art. If decorated properly, you won't notice the art in the hotel lobby, you're only really going to notice the bad art. And the same can be said for audio editing. 
Go on and check out an episode of The Grand Tourist. One of my favorites I did was from season two about the American Academy in Rome. And now with your newfound appreciation for editing, I'm sure you'll enjoy it even more. And now finally, on the right side of the spectrum, we have the audio documentary. This is reserved for shows like Serial, Radiolab, S-Town, Dolly Parton's America. These tend to not necessarily run on in perpetuity, but follow a narrative arc that has a set number of episodes. The shows can run in seasons, but each season tends to be a self-contained entity. If you remember Ira Glass and This American Life, that is the genesis of this genre. And though This American Life pushes out weekly episodes, it's effectively a compiled one-hour mini-documentary on a specific subject. I truly feel that this format is where audio thrives, allowing the listener to have their imagination guided and not force-fed as a TV show would do with visuals. My favorite description in defense of the style I heard was from a UCSF professor I interviewed back in 2013 for my capstone project, which, I bet you guessed it, was an audio documentary, specifically on where the future of radio was going. If you remember back in 2013, terrestrial radio still ruled the airwaves, podcasts hadn't quite become the industry they are today, and no one really knew where the medium was going. I think that radio offers a series of advantages that no other media offers. First and foremost, radio is the the medium of audio. And audio by itself, specifically, even aggressively, anti-picture, does things to the human psyche, and even in fact the human body, that that visuals do not do. Audio literally enters your body through your ears and rattles around inside your body. I also think, at least I have a theory, that audio impacts a part of the brain that, intriguingly enough, smell does. You ever walked into a room and smelled something and gotten a nostalgic rush, either from your childhood or last year or something? I think sound does that. I don't think visuals do that. I agree. So I think audio stimulates, and this is the point, I think audio stimulates a part of the brain and a part of human emotion that nothing else does. Said more precisely, radio is the theater of the mind. For the pros, this style allows you as a film documentary would to combine multiple sources and craft the narrative and message you want to send with far more control than any other option heretofore mentioned. Because of the amount of production, music, and editing, these shows may be on the longer side, but they will fly by for the audience. They're extremely captivating and do a wonderful job of becoming memorable. I have no doubt that if Serial would have been produced to the far left of our spectrum, we would not be still talking about it today. This is known as the listening tale. Podcasts towards the farther left tend to have a short listening tail, meaning they are popular for perhaps three weeks after they are released, and then the information usually becomes no longer topical or dated or not valuable. Audio documentaries have a much longer shelf life, a longer listening tail. I'm talking years here. It's hard to find any other asset in the digital media sphere that will hold up as long as a good audio documentary will. I highly recommend checking out S-Town to see how a show from 2017 still holds up today. For the cons, expect to invest a lot of hours into this format. You will either need to learn to become an editor yourself or work very closely with one. I mean, tied at the hip close. You will need to make more creative choices than any other format listed. For example, bed music. What are you going to use throughout the show to set mood? And if you really like a certain song, you may need to pay for it. You'll need to do a lot of interviews and perhaps re-interview. And you'll do a lot of scripting for the host and script, just as I'm doing now in this format. One last note, this structure is not well suited for weekly runs in perpetuity. Likely, you're going to spend a month or more on a few episodes, and then you'll want to release them all at once so people can binge them. 
Okay, so this is an extremely distilled crash course into the worlds of podcasts. And before you type up that angry email, yes, I know I skipped over a lot and there is tons of overlap and I probably missed some genres. But this episode was designed to get you thinking about podcasts. Now, if by this point you are still interested in making a podcast, stay tuned into this feed. The next episode will be a technical crash course on podcast creation. We'll talk types of microphones to use, how to capture audio, and listen to what these different types of styles of editing sound like so you can make a better decision on what you want your podcast to sound like. If you have questions, you can find me at thestanhall.com. I offer audio and video consulting if that's your thing. And if you're still tuned in, congratulations. You get a moral superiority badge. You can ogle while I mention all the credits and people that helped make this episode possible. Thank you to Chapter X and the Grand Tours for the intros of their show, and make sure to check them out on iTunes. Thank you to Alex Whalen, Victor Martins, Zach Watson, and Tara McElroy for taking the time to record with me. And thank you most of all to all my friends who suffered through the rough cut. Nothing is created on an island. Need all the help I can get. Till next time.